Welcome, everybody, to episode 64 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. You should follow us on Twitter at Two on Three Pod, and you can send us email at Hello! Hello! at Two on Three Pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. I'm Chris, and you can find me celebrating the announcement of a new Bill and Ted movie on Twitter at CD Villasenor. And with me is Ty. Are you down for some uh, harmless nostalgia, Ty? I cannot wait for the comeback of Wild Stallions. And in fact, watching that video, I would like Keanu to do a lot more family movie voiceover work. <laughs> he does, the the announcement video is great because he does that little shifting. That yeah, no, he shifting d- thing. he gets into full on Ted mode. He's putting his hand through his hair. He's kind of starting to bounce around. No, he's doing... He Keanu is clearly the underrated actor of our time. Because of his stoicism and his, his just sort of willingness to play stupid, people just dismissed him. But every time I see Keanu, he's compelling to watch. And he really inhabits the character. And, and this, just, this announcement really shows me that I want to go back and watch Bill and Ted knowing that that guy is acting his ass off, not just bouncing through the movie very uh, that's i think that's a i think that's a, a wonderful thing to do you should go back we should i think we should go back and see it i think i i like that idea yeah i, I want to watch it for keanu's choices great and where can we find you on twitter my man oh i'm lamenting uh that uh keanu's not doing more of that at s-e-a-t-j-k <laughs> yes keanu is we're gonna miss keanu when he's gone someday and that's um and I think he's great. I mean, I grew up with Keanu, so it's. I, I feel like he's not much older than me, so um, it's uh, it's nice to see the old guys getting the band back together. I agree, literally, literally. literally. All right, so what are we talking about today? Um, we're gonna jump into. Uh, I don't know. We're sort of it's sort of a continuation of last week where we were sort of. We were a little pissed last week. I don't know if it was pissed, just bewildered. I don't really know what the we were. As I'm, as I'm thinking back, was just taken aback. Like, surprised, not surprised? Is that is uh, that where we are? Is I that mean, where we are in our podcast these days? You know what my secret is, right, Chris? What's that? I'm always angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's I don't true. Get angry and just stay. I think that I think that my approach is more. I'm just sort of optimistic, but never surprised when people do shitty things. Wow. No, that's what I'm saying. That's that. That's kind of where I am. I just live my life like I think it's gonna work out for us, and then people do shitty stuff, and I'm like, I'm not really surprised that person's crappy. So, um, so we're gonna talk a little bit about grit, and you know, and how it plays in our society, or how it really affects us. We'll talk about our ideals of rich man, poor man. Uh, we'll we'll drop uh, in on uh, Seattle. And how it's dying, which was huge news this week. I mean, everybody picked that up. So, and then, uh, then maybe a little lighter take in the uh, in the OT. Yeah, I think this week we're gonna rub some dirt on it. <laughs> just, we're just gonna we're just gonna pick ourselves up. And uh, but as we were looking at the um, this idea of grit, and uh, it was really funny because in the I Ching you had written, "I'm not one to wax poetic about grit," but the uh, but I really feel like in my life, it's more... I don't really feel like I've had to access so much grit. <laughs> like, all my problems are wildly first world. In fact, when my children are 
you know, when I have to tell my teach my children harsh lessons, I have to say, well, you better call your grandpa who grew up in Japanese occupied Philippines because I really have nothing. I mean, I had, you know, the 12, you know, the 20 button cable box. I don't know. I don't know what I mean. That's it. That's like as hard as it got for me. I don't I don't really feel like <laughs> so. So when we talk about grit and how I've accessed it in my own life. You know, it was, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. I consider myself successful. I must've flexed it somewhere, right? I never, I never, I never minded working late or doing those kinds of things, but I never really felt like, I never felt like that was grit. I never felt like I had to overcome anything like spectacular. Life, just a big, one big trip to the water park for you, huh? That's not, and that's not so much a big trip to the water park, but kind of. I mean, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel blessed that I don't have to, that I don't have a lot of horrible stories to tell and, you know, how I had to overcome, but I also don't feel like everything was handed to me on a silver platter. It's just, it's a funny, it's a funny place to be somewhere, somewhere in the middle there. Well, I mean, as we talked about last week with the, you know, paying your way into college and as we've talked about many times before about the socioeconomic divide in our country, um, I was just thinking about it in terms that, you know, with the Alexa and all the other home online ordering devices and the fact that I, I'm just so disappointed by the future. Like, you know, watching, uh, growing up a huge Star Trek Next Generation fan, being able to say computer and then like emit some command that actually like results in, in, in some kind of output was right. like a dream. Yeah. T Earl Grey hot. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't want to like have it be brought to me by predatory capitalism where the goal is to, you know, implant something in my brain and have a drone show up with whatever that thing is. And my credit card is charged before I even realize that I even thought about wanting that thing, which I feel like is Amazon's actual goal, which is to get you to implant, you know, Alexa brain implant. So that the minute you think that, Hey, we might need the shit just is coming and, and they've already charged you. And it's on you. If you had that thought, <laughs> <laughs> I see where you're, I see where you're going with that. I think that uh, predatory capitalism. I think that that you can't get around the fact that this shit doesn't happen for free. Now, when we think about Star Trek. We, you know, no one ever peels the onion and just says, "Well, how did they get there in the 24th century or whatever?" Like they always talk about some terrible wars and shit that went on, and right. uh, and they finally got to that that. A reasonable utopia. Sure. <laughs> but we talked before on the show about what the natural, realistic timeline is for us at this point. Yeah. But the... But I do th- I do think it's funny that, that my kids will ask for stuff and just say, well, just, can you order me... Can you just, can you just grab your phone and order me this? I mean, mm-hmm. this, is the, this is the normal thing. Like, you know, when I was a kid, we had to wait till we went to the store. Like, mm-hmm. and then you had to remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you'd go to the store, you'd come home, and you'd go, shit, I totally forgot that I wanted to get this, or whatever. Now it's now it's just, whenever I think about it, I just pick up the phone and order what I need. Which but is nice. That, but is that making me, I, I'm not sure that's making me soft in any way, shape, or form. I think it's making everyone soft in, in some way, shape, or form. Like that you can, the expectations are just out of control. Um I mean, let me ask you a question. So do you remember like how old you were having grown up and as you said, a privileged household where you sort of started to realize how money worked? Oh yeah. Early. Right. Because, because even though I would consider my household privileged, I didn't get all the shit that I asked for. I mean, I wasn't, 
I mean, I was I was spoiled in some ways, but certainly not in others. I mean, the value of a dollar was certainly pressed into my brain pretty hard. So I feel like I'm challenged with that on a daily basis where I have created a, you know, a, a very lightweight reward system for my young children. And for a while, the quarter system was working really well because my older daughter was able to understand that if she was, you know, did, did certain things, she'd, she'd earn a reward and then she'd often use that to buy a video game or what have you. And she's, she doesn't do it anymore because now the games are all freemium. You don't have to buy them anymore, which is worse because I see what she's doing. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's just like 60% ads. Like I'd rather pay for it and have you not be rotting your brain, but I'm not yeah. going to do that out of my own pocket. But then she doesn't care about the ads. So it's like now the quarter system has just been completely like flooded with, with assets and I can't, there's no value to any money anymore. I'll, she'll earn a quarter and I'll find it the next day, like on the kitchen counter. And I'm trying to tell her, I'm like, it doesn't take long to like earn five bucks. And that's a lot of money to you. You can buy a lot of things with that. So I've just, I, I feel like I'm, I, by indulging myself, I'm sort of doing a bad job passing along the right kind of values to the next generation. And, you know, I mean, I know that there's a, there the, well you you kind of linked in relation to this uh, this story about uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez um, supporting automation and, and really saying that reskilling is the future and I think she's probably right um, but I'm just concerned that my kids are never really going to understand like what it's like to need money to not feel pain <laughs> which is kind of a good thing right, right. isn't no, that's that the that's goal like half, that's like half the point of working hard and and trying to provide a, a a good environment for your kids to grow up and so they don't have to worry about nickels and dimes so that they can think about school and those other you know you know whatever they decide what their passions are i mean that's the that's kind of half the point that aoc's getting to in that in that uh, in that article where she says automation's the future she's like well if if machines do all the jobs we'll have a chance to do higher things create things write things be happier I, i'm not sure she's right about that but the uh but i think there's a lot to be said about about providing for your your family in a way that you know you're trying to you're trying to get you know, up the Maslow hierarchy a little bit, right? You're trying to you're trying to climb that ladder, but it's like, thank God we don't have to worry about where our next meal is going to come from. I mean, those are, and then you just sort of move up the ladder, right? Yeah. And so, if they don't have an appreciation for those kind of hard things, you have to try to find other opportunities for them to 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 deal, like just at least in their own way, shape, or form. I know uh, uh, my daughter wanted an expensive backpack for for. Uh, for her for school uh -huh. so you know she got a summer she got a summer job caddying at one of the local clubs and so she 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 carried loops all summer so she could save up some money which was great you know that's that's something you know you you carry a golf bag around a <laughs> for a few miles around a golf course and you make some money uh -huh. um and then she and then she soaked us on the golf course for a bunch of money <laughs> <laughs> And then bought the backpack. So, um, so that's, I mean, that's, you know, you try to teach your kids, you know, you're, I'm trying to do that in that context, right? I'm just trying to say that even though you don't have to take a fast food job or, you know, it's more than likely we'll be able to, to foot much of the college bill and those kinds of things. There's going to be, you know, in that context, going to have to find ways for her to earn stuff to, you know, to learn to appreciate stuff, right? And, mm -hmm. 
And, I mean, and that's and that's just come lately, really. I mean, you know, your 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 kids are much younger, so sure. I mean, but undoubtedly, adversity breeds character, and I guess that there's this weird push and pull of being a parent where your job is to sort of, you know, make your children's life as good as it can possibly be, but also provide them the right sort of guidance to get where they need to go. And sometimes those two things are at odds. Um, and I think I probably have anxiety about this, particularly this week, because somebody ran up a big Twitter thread about like, tell me your stories of like incapable early 20 somethings that you've encountered that like don't have life skills. And there was like a whole slew of obviously it's mostly anecdotal, but then there was like a link to an article that talked about a number of students that had to be sent home from college on a, at a couple of prestigious universities, again, and going building on our topics from last week um, because they didn't have the basic life skills required to like be at college. Like they couldn't take care of themselves. I, I never did a load of laundry on my own until I went to college. That's crazy to me. I started doing laundry when I think I was in sixth grade. I never, I never touched a, never touched a washer or dryer. My parents never really made me keep my room up, and so as a result of that, they sort of left me to my own devices in there. But when my mom bought it, brought in a load of clean laundry and came in the next day, and like some of it was on the floor, she about flipped her wig. And from that day on, I was doing my own goddamn laundry. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna treat it like this, I'm not gonna do it for you. And I'll tell you what, now my clothes, like I, I still have clothes that I, like had from college. I like I, I hang on to stuff. It's, it keeps forever because I've t- taken such good care of it. So that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, I don't want to be the the best one I saw uh, on, and I'll link to the t- the Twitter thread. But that some girl's parents had, like, she didn't like food with sauce on it, and so for years they had like called ahead to their friend's house and stuff when they're going to hang out to make sure they would like leave some of the food out unsauced and not pre mixed so she could have something to eat. And so she got to college, and of and course that shouldn't the- be sauced. <laughs> <laughs> you're standing so- in the you're standing in the cafeteria line. Shit is sauced and sauced hard. Yeah, because it probably is bad. And so they the more sauce you put on it. <laughs> I can just see this this young woman. Can I get that without sauce? The hell? Get out. <laughs> Move along, please. Next. Next. So, all right. Well, I guess that I'm not. Uh, I, I just think that sometimes convenience is as great as it is. It really does rewire your brain to make. Like some of the smallest tasks feel Herculean. Oh my God, I have to leave the house. Yeah, no, I no, I agree. I think you just have to. I think, I think it just has to show up somewhere else. I think, especially for kids growing up in a more convenient society, you have to find things that they have to earn. And I think, and for my kids, it's the sports we've helped them choose. Golf being one of them, where you just simply can't be good at it. Uh-huh on day one you you have to earn and music music practice i mean if you're going to play the piano or you're going to play another instrument there you don't get good early you have to you have to you have to work at it you have to practice you have to show some discipline that's kind of the way we've tried to try to insert grit into what is objectively a very convenient lifestyle for <laughs> for my children <laughs> even maybe more so than my own which is even which is scary to think well, let's check back in on this in 10 years and find out if either one of us has raised a dickhead. Well, you know, I've already saved $200,000 to buy my kid into college. So, you know, <laughs> I'm already I'm way ahead of the curve, baby. Better than that get program. 
<laughs> yeah, stick your 529. Can I spend my 529 on bribing bribing college officials? Yeah, she wants can, bribe. can we see that? Anyway, all right. So in segment number two, uh, I saw this tweet that made me laugh, laugh, laugh. It was uh, uh, the, treat, the tweet reads, Trump is a poor person's ideal of a rich person. And Beto is a rich person's ideal of a poor person, which made me laugh. <laughs> because it's true, because poor people are like sitting around, you know, if I had a billion dollars, what I'd do is I'd like make a gold toilet and I'd build a big, I'd big old build building and put my name on it and say Dwayne on it. And, uh, and it would like, and it would have, it had diamond faucets and uh, ketchup would come out of the refrigerator right out the front. Yeah, it's hilarious, and I and I just kept thinking about how a poor person, uh, well, my my poor hillbilly southern person that I'm totally like taking cracks. (laughs) Yeah, take it easy. Jesus, (laughs) Trump voter is um sitting around thinking. I think that's right. I think I'd buy a big old car, and I'd put a big old insignia on the front of it. You know, yeah, just, I think it's the misunderstanding of what the term "fuck you" money means. <laughs> because I mean, yeah, I, you know, there's a bunch of stuff certainly that I, I, the white person's idea of like a, a rap video, uh, like a poor white person's idea of a rap video. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's 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 why it makes me laugh because it it seems so obvious to me when someone writes it down that that people would sit around and think, yeah, I would have a I'd have a, a pet tiger. And a you know and a and a well, buddy if you and could a model understand, wife a model wife and yeah. a whatever yeah if you could truly understand the I mean truly understand we, this is a tough time to talk about this but uh, the, the the motivations behind Trump's real popularity um, then he'd be a lot more popular the reason that he's not is because his ideas are abhorrent and the way he conducts himself is abhorrent and most of us don't like. I don't dream of like wanting to be an asshole to people like sure. it's a necessary evil. If you're an asshole first, it's like, it's like putting hands on somebody. I don't want to fight you, but if you touch me, we're going to fight. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> and if we're arguing. Yeah. If you were arguing and you touch me. Right. If yeah. no, if, if it's to the point where it's clear that the if a fisticuffs is available or is, is, is possible in the near future, I'm not going to start it. But if you touch me, we're fighting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is that same thing. But this is sort of the next step, which is if I was rich enough, I could just be a prick to whoever I wanted. And I think that is some like when some when you have no power, you really are enthralled. And I think that's the right word. Yeah. By this idea of I like what this guy is doing. Look at him. He, he just takes no shit. But it's just not, you know, I mean. I don't want to get in on Trump. I, I, can... No, but I'm just, but the idea, but the, but the, the concept of him being a, an ideal for this person yeah. is very, it's, I mean, I, I understand. I think it's, it's people who, who have very little power um, being fantasizing about if I had enough money to tell people to, to eat shit, I would, <laughs> it would be great. Yeah. It would be amazing. Let's transition to the fun part of the segment. You were going to tell <laughs> what the fun part of the segment. So the well, let's go to the other thing. Like All right. Beto O'Rourke being the you know the rich person's ideal of a poor person, right? To say that oh, if I you know I'd like to you know I could just see some well-heeled CEO sitting back thinking you know look at this guy he served in Congress for 
for it now. Basically, he could just skateboard in parking lots and play in a uh, play in a band and live in a live in a van, you know, and just sort of you know be this guy, this salt and pepper, <laughs> this, like relatively fit guy who just sort of hangs out and and just is. So you're saying that the rich person is sort of jealous of the being like I mean what is Beto's image sort of well, semi his, his, unem, semi unemployed dude who might yeah, be a school teacher right who just is who's got who who obviously has enough who 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 has money but lives like he like it was at least projecting the image that he's living on nothing mm-hmm. you know what I mean he's eating in diners <laughs> you know he's walking around with untucked, untucked shirts with the sleeves rolled up and just you know, playing his acoustic guitar with his buddies. I don't know. It's really, it's just a funny, it's just a funny thought that, you know, that, you know, people who, who maybe feel trapped by a career can look at Beto O'Rourke and say, you know, he's doing this because he wants to. I mean, it's an illusion, right? I mean, there's, uh-huh. there's no question there's, it's an illusion, but it's just a funny thought that, uh, that he looks like he's living, you know, living that kind of existence kind of a carefree existence and, and kind of able to yeah be a dreamer i don't know i'm not um i'm not like so i i, I liked beto as a senate candidate for for texas uh, i really was hoping that you know he'd pull off a, an upset um i think that he has the right idea about a lot of things but i can't say that i really support his candidacy for president i don't really think that he when it when it comes down to it, I think that more experience is necessary in this particular situation. And I know there's been an inexperienced candidate in our very recent history, a couple of them, in fact. Sure. And sure, certainly when I, I guess I, I'm I'm convincing <clears throat> or tricking myself rather than to think that we still need a real leader. Um, and, and you know, I'm not really of the mind that the cult of personality is the right way to go again. Um, and. I don't really like either of the two, I guess, if you want to call it by the fundraising numbers, uh, front runners for the Democratic nominee at this point. Uh, I think there are a lot of good ideas out there and a number of quality candidates, but I'm not excited about uh, Beto in particular. And I know we weren't trying to make this a political segment, but uh, I just... That's okay. I'm, that underwhel- that- I'm underwhelmed. Maybe I'm whelmed. I'm You're whelmed. whelmed. By Beto, yeah. You're currently whelmed by him. <laughs> That's but- how I feel about most of them, though. Yeah. But then I was thinking about my, you know, what my ideal, like the, the ideal for me. And of course, everybody everybody has that whole sort of idea of checking out. Like, what does checking out look like to you? Like, sure. I think that some people would dream of that really big lottery lottery win. That not for me. I think that would be too much. I think the uh, it's uh, it's funny. I've always had this idea of what they called the, the basically the five million dollar plan. Okay. The five million dollar plan is if you had five million dollars and you just lived off the interest, it, mm-hmm. it works out to about. Roughly about a thousand bucks a day. Okay. Now, which is a lot of money. Yeah. But as a single guy, the 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 the, um, the thought was you could just do anything that just cost a thousand bucks. You just take you know you're like, what can I do today for a thousand bucks? I could stay in this hotel. I could do this. I could do this. It'd be a Brewster's Million situation. Like you'd never be able to. You'd be tired. You'd be so tired of spending that money. After a while, you just want to be like in one place and do nothing. You still could, right? You have to get rid of the thousand dollars every day. No, you don't have. No, you don't have to. But that would be the. But that would be sort of the bait. Your baseline thinking. You could maybe that's more. Maybe that's the more entertaining analysis. Is 
would you take that deal if you had to clear the thousand dollars every day? God, I know. I, I, I don't know what I do. How much I, stuff can you buy? I would but, just everyone. But if I you knew. couldn't, but if you couldn't spend it, no, you had to spend it on yourself. You couldn't okay. spend it on anybody else. You had to yeah. spend a thousand bucks on yourself every day, and, and the day you couldn't do it, you lose it. Yeah, you'd have to learn to like space <laughs> out your like food budget really well. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's like you could only eat at Nobu like how many times, right? You could only eat at like the most expensive places in town before you just were sick of everything. I, I guess think a thousand, we need a, I think I a, thousand, I need a lot of rules here. Like, can I can I like can I slowly put the money? Can, how, uh, can I find a contractor who will work for a thousand dollars a day who just is constantly working on my house? <laughs> <laughs> just, just put them on contract, right? Just for seven hundred dollars a day. Yeah, here's just all the stuff I want done. Just do it slowly. <laughs> no, God, that's funny. That 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 really that would be that'd be. I think that's sort of the definition of hell. Really, you just be. Would you would you even get through the first month? I there's no way. Like if you had the Brewster's Millions, if you had actually had the Brewster's Millions rules, which is to say you have to spend it and have nothing to show for it at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like you'd just be. Well, the, the, that's why I'm saying I need a lot more details. Like, because what if I say, okay, well, I need something, but it's multiple thousands of dollars. How do I? How do I make that happen? <laughs> uh, I guess yeah. I don't know. Maybe at the end of the month you'd have to. You have to have no money. Just nothing to show. For. But That's you put a funny on this, thing. Hold on. You put on this thing, though, like, what kind of van RV I'm going to buy when the time comes. <laughs> and first of all, before we run out of time, I want to know what that means, because that, to me, was the fun part of the segment. I am going to buy, I'm definitely buying a van. So my brother was in town the other day, and we were hanging out, and he's like, I'm, I'm going to buy a van. <laughs> he says, he's I was like, what? He says, yeah, my kids, after my kids are gone, I'm going to get a smaller house, I'm going to buy a van, and then we'll drive around. I'm like, what? A van? A van. Yeah. When I said... And then he said there was a place in Bellingham that makes these custom vans. And I looked them up and I was like, ooh, they're pretty sweet. Like sprinter conversions. Mm-hmm. Like sprinter conversions you can sleep in and sure. have. And, and I thought, okay, that, that's, that's a pretty decent idea. You know, take your big family home and crank it down and then go get yourself a van, drive around a little bit, stay at home a little bit, drive in the van a little bit, stay yeah. at home a little bit. I wonder how long I could do that. Not long, man. Like I can't ever leave the room. The family is always in the room with me, no matter what. No, no. But it's just well, it's gonna be you and your wife. I mean, like, oh, the kids are gone. They're, they're the kids out. got yeah. The kids got to be gone. You got to be retired at this point. There's got to be, you know, I'm gonna show up at the house for stretches. But so basically, you live in one bed in a kitchenette. For yes, in your van. I mean, you could just you could stay in a hotel here and there. I mean, just to just to spread out a little bit. But for the most part. You know, I don't know. Am I gonna play golf? I mean, how many how many places can I, like, how many canyons can you see? Like, how much can you? I see people who do this though, man. People who like get a get a big giant. Like, I don't want a big giant RV, like one of those mm-hmm. big, you know, one hundred fifty thousand dollar monster RVs. But it would be fun to kind of cruise around a little bit. I don't know. All right. Well, my thought was to, uh, I don't know, figure out whatever can come with run flat tires that I can start to reinforce for the fucking apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, by then you might have to have like the tango and cash, you know, van with the big, with the big fucking Gatlin gun on the side with the big, that. yeah, I mean, the mini gun, need- <laughs> you know, 50, the mounted 50 Cal, <laughs> let's get as many solar panels on there as we can manage. Cause it's <laughs> you might be living on that, that shitty train in snow catcher or whatever. Snow piercer, whatever. Snow piercer. <laughs> 
That's it. That's the one. Don't hand wave Snowpiercer. It's a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of the apocalypse, it might be coming in Seattle faster than other places. So uh, Como News put out a one-hour... A Sinclair media station. Uh, I know who put it out. (laughs) I was going to get there. (laughs) I mean, so they put out Seattle's Dying. And what's really funny about this is... um, so many of the people on my Facebook feed who are, I'm still on Facebook, Ty's not, um, really are, were all about it. Ugh. I mean, and people were, these people were staunchly liberal people. I mean, these are, these are dyed the wool liberals who mm. are really on board with the Seattle is dying narrative right now which made me laugh a little bit because i watched it i was like okay so there's some truth in this i mean there is there are homeless camps and there are but the underpinnings but the underpinnings of it were so wildly i just couldn't believe they were they're they're so i was surprised that seattle could air such a wildly conservative take or i don't even know if it's conservative it's a republican a republican take on on Seattle's problems and me sitting back watching people on Facebook liberals bite at hook line and sinker it was amazing that's uh, the not woke bays on your Facebook <laughs> no they will but they will they would they will they would tell you they were very woke and well, they I'll... and they do very woke things on their on their Facebook and yet here we are great well they're full of shit but uh so I'll be honest with you. This was an hour-long clip. I made it through 25 minutes waiting for the pivot that never came. And yeah. finally was just like, fuck this, and turned it off. So I actually relate to this. And that's the thing. is like, So I've lived in this town, as you have, for a long time. I mean, 20-plus years at this point. Yeah, I've been here since 92. I'm coming up on coming up on 30 years. So we've seen the transformation they're describing. And like you say, there's no doubt that there's a kernel of truth into it or in it. And the homeless camps are a thing. And that certainly the problem is growing and the statistics they cite are not inaccurate. Um, I mean, you put in the doc, like, is it troubling or is it stilted or is it both? And, and first I wrote both because I wanted to be p- fair about it. And, and I, you know, I mean, in 2001, I was hunting for an apartment in Belltown and they were, the neighborhood was so trendy and up and coming. I couldn't afford to live there. I ended up in like what at the time was like sucky ass Bellevue. And then in 2004, we have the quake and you know, the, the, that sort of revitalizes pioneer square by accident. Cause a bunch of stuff has to get rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I move uh, with my wife into a basic, but sort of ungentrified neighborhood. And, and, and then 2008 happens, right. And the economy just goes to hell. The city does okay. Cause we're sort of tech centric. Um, but what the, this is so frustrating because to me, when he starts the thesis of this this piece of the homeless people, and they give all this lip service to this idea that, um, you know, it's it's so terrible to watch this happen, but then their solution is like policing and a crackdown and like this really like hardcore pro police angle. It's just it's really distasteful. It's like it's it's just it is very much to me indicative of this kind of political notion which is that 
humans are not smart enough to think big enough to treat this treat the the cause of the disease but rather our this whole thing was focused on how can we get rid of the symptoms as if the homeless problem had just appeared out of nowhere and that suddenly we were just infested and the anonymous quotes from cops like well we used to be allowed to 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 enforce the law i get that maybe some of that is true and the relaxing of some of the statutes might be difficult for them to deal with and and make their jobs challenging when they feel like they're arresting people who are then just turned out but i think we all know that the problem is how they became homeless not what to do about it after the fact yeah it's but it's 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 easy for people it's easy for people to to inspect other people's cities and tell them what to do but the second it shows up in your neighborhood it becomes this whole different. It, it's this. It's the NIMBY thing, right? It's the not in my backyard yeah. aspect of this homeless problem, which I think is for me the most interesting part of the of how how um, how the reactions on Facebook have gone is that I can be very I can be very you know liberal progressive until until there's a homeless camp you know. A half a mile from my house, uh-huh. right? And all then all of a sudden it's like I need, I need that gone. You know what I mean? I think that I think it's a it's a it's a really interesting exercise for for all of <laughs> for all of us to be able to take our values for a walk that way, right? It's like it's hard and it's really difficult, especially if you've got children, because then it becomes then it you know back to our back to our first back to our first segment it's just like you're you're trying to you're trying to bring them up in an environment where they can they can succeed and i think it's hard to do that it would be impossible to do that certainly in downtown seattle where there is like this this crush of you know homelessness mental illness garbage you know, I mean, there's just this, all this, all this stuff is sort of piling up. And now as it works its way from downtown out to some of the other places where you see, mm-hmm. you know, those near downtown neighborhoods where there are a lot of these RVs and, and all this other stuff, all of a sudden it's getting it, people, people, people's values versus, versus their need to create an environment for themselves and their families becomes, they run, they run headlong into each other, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. We we fled the urban and center mostly because of the the increase in visible street crime and 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 what that meant for us raising children in the area. I mean, it's that simple. Uh but I don't think more hardcore policing is the answer. I I this this video just really I found it very frustrating to watch because there's a lot of correlation and it's much like the thing I'm always frustrated with is like you think your logic wins, but then you just sort of choose when this train stops. Like they do a lot of correlation about homelessness and crime, but there's not one second, at least of what I watched given to, did you ask those people how they became homeless? And like, did you, did you collect any data on what the causes of the homelessness then led to the crime? They got to, they, they did a pretty, they did a pretty good job of cherry picking the people that they decided to talk to or decided to air, (laughs) decided to air. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was from the citizen side, it was outraged. It was sort of outraged small business owners. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, if I was running a business, I'd be pissed too. 
But I wouldn't be like, the cops need to do a better job. That is a bad take. I'm sorry. That is not the problem. <laughs> and then and then, and then, then from the, the homeless angle, they found the absolute fucking craziest people they could find. Yeah. They did a, they did a, they did a pretty good job of, of finding. And, you know, again, they might not have had to look very hard, which is, which is again, the, the, the hard part about, about sort of making heads or tails of this, right? Like slicing this in a way that, that, you know, again, it's like how much, how much, you know, support does the, the city continue to, you know, have to put into this, um, but it's really it's a really strange time in Seattle right now um, because this the this the city council's getting I mean their approval rating must be bottoming out here right I mean Jesus like everyone hates them on like on all fronts so so you know what's what's next for Seattle right I, well I, this is a tough conversation to have because the only way to fix it to me is to like I say treat the cause. And nobody's really interested in doing that, at least not in a meaningful way. I mean, there's not it's not politically popular, as you learn from your own Facebook experiences with the, you know, nominally liberal folks that apparently you're, you know, Facebook friends with that don't seem to be rallying for, uh, you know, programs to get people back on their feet or, or I mean, it, it, this is what drove me crazy about this video. So there's all this this timeline discussion. But at no point do we talk about the fact that a great example of what happened post 2008 with the economic recovery is demonstrated by what Bellevue is like. So the economy recovered Bellevue for those who listen to the show and maybe aren't familiar with the geographic area is like the largest Seattle suburb. It, it used to be significantly smaller than Seattle until post recovery when all of the grand plans that had been in place prior to the uh, economy hitting the tank really got finished. So this gleaming new shopping mall, all this new housing, all this crazy office space, a bunch of high-end shops. And notice that nobody's saying, why isn't Bellevue or no, why is Bellevue overrun homelessness? It's because basically there's no public transportation across the lake. So none of the homeless people can get over there to to like, to sully it. I mean, it's just, it's a very simple dichotomy of two cities separated by about three miles of water one that was lifted up by the upper class recovery that never that you know that, that none of the middle or lower classes ever experienced and Seattle the you know the the older city with a lot more of the affordable housing became the place where people didn't have enough to feed themselves or or to to pay for a roof over their head and and ended up in the city and it's it's crazy to me to watch a video like this and have that never even broached whatsoever it's like why is it possible that there is literally a sister city just a handful of miles away that sees none of these problems. And you're going to tell me it's just on the city council and then on the way the cops enforce the laws? I mean, that's just not a realistic take. It, it, it drove me crazy to watch this. And if those folks in your Facebook feed listen to the show, I'd like to see them out there saying, what can we do to increase social programs that prevent people from going bankrupt in the first place that lead to homelessness, whether it's healthcare, whether it's... Um, some sort of, you know, utility subsidy or, or whatever the situation may be. I'm certainly not a politician. I don't have solutions, but I, I can't sit here and watch this crack down on these people as if putting them in jail is the solution. That was just, I found it very disgusting. <laughs> it's a, it's Zack Snyder's uh, Gotham metropolis dichotomy. It's like on one side of the, on one side of the water, we have Gotham. 
It's a yeah. shithole. And then on the other side, we have a gleaming, the gleaming metropolis. It's an Eagleton Pawnee situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's what's, get out of this. Get me out what's of this. That? Get, what? We're pulling out? All right. Anyway, that being said, we're on to the OT, which means... Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! <laughs> dad joke of the week. Dad jokes. I always say dad joke. It's really dad jokes yeah, you just, of the you week. You want it to be one. <laughs> That's my subconscious bubbling up. I did edit one out because it was what's black and white and red all over. And I was just like, come on. Which one did they give you on that one? The Sunburn newspaper. Zebra? Newspaper. Sunburn Zebra? That's just, no? that's like, that's like the, that's a grandfather joke. That's like, you took a regular dad <laughs> joke and then you, you know, lost control of your bladder all over it. Got it. All right. So this first one, I don't understand. I mean, I get it. I get what they're going for, but I don't get it. If, if you get me. <laughs> <laughs> Why did the lumberjack go to the bank? I don't know. He wanted to open a shavings account. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a huge reach. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, bells are really quite obedient. They sound off only when they're told. <laughs> okay. This one is just a mess. Like there, okay, so this one I couldn't even rewrite it. I didn't have time, but there's there's something here. Okay, but uh, let's see how we go. Okay, so I tried to write a joke about Julius Caesar, but it was it, it just ended up all over the place. I guess you could say the joke was Roman. Whoa. Like roaming? <laughs> roaming. Right. Like, this actual joke was roaming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I hope that I hope how much do you think they get paid at, at Dad Joke at Dad Joke Calendar uh company? Like the person has to write minimum wage, right? Or this is like an intern. They're not even getting paid, like they're part time. I assume the whole thing is just a plagiarism operation. <laughs> it's just a handful of <laughs> Junior high students getting books out of the library and emailing these jokes in. You know you're not going to get sued for this, right? They're yeah, not, exactly. You know, they, yeah, all right. This is all uh, public, community uh, property. Yeah. Yeah. Public, public domain. domain. Yeah. Uh, where does Aquaman go to the movies? At the dive-in. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. <laughs> all right, this last one actually made me laugh. Um, all right. It's all about delivery for it to work. So uh, let me get the timing right here. I have to read it in my head first. Did you hear about Einstein? He finally developed a theory about space. It was about time, too. <laughs> I like that one. That was like a pretty too. good one. I like science jokes. All right. I have two Jotwa killers today. Okay. Two. But I'm only going to tell you one. Oh. You know, so you got to choose one or two. Well, I got to choose? Yeah, you choose. Uh, two. Alright. I was stopped trying to bring roadkill onto an airplane. I told them that it was my carrion. Alright. You sure you made that up? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. What? I don't think you made that up. Yes, I did. Well, I didn't I'm like that. Saying... Read me the other one. Read the other one. <laughs> Alright. You didn't like that one? No, I, I thought like that, that was one. good. It was because my wife was traveling this week, so I, I, she was... I was talking about her carry-on, and I was like, oh, this is a funny... There's a joke in there. I think there's a joke where you need there's to likely, like, make it about likely. Your, your carry... Like, the meal that you're bringing with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll, I'll... Okay, I'll think about that. Um, here's my other one. Um, did you hear the one about the party where everyone was lined up for food, but no one lined up for drinks? Yeah, there's no punchline. 
<laughs> oh, that was, see that got you to laugh. I like it. There oh, you go. I like that. That's good. There we go. There we go. That was the Dejawa Killers of the Week. If I could recommend a, a slight tweak. All right, which one? Which, which joke? Uh, the second one. The, the, okay, the, to the punchline joke. Yeah. So, like, if you were actually going to do this, so you could make this a full-on Mitch Hedberg Hedberg joke if you if you tweak a little bit. I think it's. All right. Did you hear about the party where like whatever your setup was? Uh, uh, where everyone no was line lined up for food. Yeah, everyone no was lined line up for at food. The buffet. But... Yeah, no line or a huge line at the buffet, but no line at the bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. That that right. makes that makes that that, makes, that cleans that joke up a little bit. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Right. That's how we work. We're wood shop. We're workshopping. Uh, workshopping some dad jokes. Dad joke workshop of the week. <laughs> <laughs> In the overtime, um, you know, we've had, it has been, the weather here has just been so nice this week. Like, scary nice. Like, everyone drew, everyone drew, like, that line between, well, a month ago it was 15 degrees, and today it was 80. Oh, so shit, two in, weeks ago it was 35. <laughs> so in July, it's going to be 273 degrees. That sounds right. Uh, they, you know, if you just extrapolate, there's a, it's a simple connect the dots and use a ruler. Um, but it was 80 degrees yesterday, almost 80 degrees today. Well, 70, crazy 70, yeah. 75 degrees on, on Sunday. It was yeah, been the awesome. forecast was like 70 for Tuesday and it got to like 81. That's <laughs> It's not normal. Anyway. So that got, that certainly got me thinking about playing golf. And we, you know, if you're a regular listener here in the, uh, the two on three, you know, we're, we're golf, we're golf friendly here. We are. So, this is uh, the fake spring. But in the yeah, this is totally fake spring. Everyone's got their t-shirts and shorts on, and the, in two weeks we're all going to be freezing our ass off again. But uh, that's not going to stop us from from playing some golf. But uh, in here in the OT, uh, uh, we we're addressing some issues. So well, uh, what do you got? So it's hard for me to plan golf with the family and everything. So a lot of times, if I find an open window, I'll just run out. And so that means I'm often in a position of finding myself as a single whether it's the twilight round or early in the morning or, or, or even, you know, maybe the middle of the weekend day. And I am like, to th- I like to think that I'm a good single. Like I'm not going to detract from your group. I'm not spraying it all over the place, which, you know, really is probably fine as long as you play fast. Um, I'm not going to, I'll read the group well before I start to like sort of engage socially. I'm not going to force myself on you. <laughs> <laughs> Right. A, I'm going to keep it light. It's, from a, it's, yeah, from a camaraderie perspective. Like, right. I'll, I'll wait for you to sort of lead the way on, on what our dynamic's going to be like. Um, and for the most part, I think that singles who play golf are, are, are mostly like that. Or they might even be more reserved. Like, they might just not talk to you at all, which is also fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's not fine is to join up with a group and then be a bit of a dick. <laughs> so, I, I experienced that recently. I uh, got out um, as a single and... Uh, got paired up with a couple and then uh, another single gentleman. Uh, so the couple was uh, an actual couple, like a man and a woman. Um, and then after two holes, the other dude bailed. He hit like he he hooked like three tee shots into the hack, and then on oh. the third hole, he just turned his cart around, didn't say shit, and drove off. <laughs> he just turned and head back to the clubhouse. He wasn't having it. But so a few holes later, um, a gentleman who was with another group that uh, dispersed after the ninth asked if he could join us on 10 and we're of course being nice people said of course you know join our group um he proceeds to not pay attention when the the lady is hitting and and drive you know up in front of her multiple times because you know we all the three of us tee off and then we drive up to her tee and Uh he just keeps driving 
This happens yeah. for the first two holes. And also, he like walks in front of the guy. He has no idea where anybody else's ball is. So he's not paying attention to who's behind him. We have to kind of keep hollering at him. Um, his green etiquette is fine. But like after about four holes, like even trying to sort of be, you know, compliment him on a good shot or, or whatever, just kind of be uh, cordial. Base, cordial, yeah. Ba- basic social skills. I start thinking, like, am I going to tell this guy he's a dick at the end of this round? Like, I really. <laughs> I really wanted to, you know, you take your hat off if you're if you're uh, a polite golfer. You say, "Hey, it's nice yeah. playing with you. Thank you. Have a great day. Whatever. The, right. Enjoy the rest of your weekend." I really wanted to turn to him and just like look at him, like, "Bit of a dick, huh?" Right. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna play golf like this, everyone's gonna, you're, someone's gonna stab you someday. Anyway, I just I I I brought this up mostly because it gives me an excuse to talk about something we didn't get to last week, which is the best maybe videotaped fight in a golf club I've ever seen. So most of the time golf fights are whack as hell, right? Somebody's right. Like, there's just, there's some slap fighting, maybe some pushing and shoving, whatever there is. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, this got posted on the internet where, uh, is it Australia or New Zealand? I don't think it matters at this point, but, uh, and, and frankly, <laughs> somewhere where they speak with accents, yeah, English spoken with accents. The one guy's shouting, the video starts with one guy shouting at the bar. Like, You're a cheat. I can't do it, but he's basically telling the other guy he's a cheater. And you know what? Having played in a number of golf tournaments, he probably is a cheater. <laughs> Likely, <laughs> but, but his honor could not bear such a bear, such a, 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 a you know, a, a, a slur apparently not because mike as we learn his name is in a few moments uh is really decisive as hell with regard to his uh reaction because he comes right at the dude who's calling him a cheat the guy says he's gonna say it to his face i don't care i'll say it in your face uh, and he sort of starts to put his hands up but then just drives his forehead right into the, and the guy's a couple inches taller the other dude and he oh. just drives his forehead right into the guy's face it sends him stumbling back into a window which shatters <laughs> <laughs> which is incredible. And then you'd think that maybe he'd let it go, but he gives it a moment. And as it, he sees the guy is not seriously injured and starts to recover, then he immediately, once again, decisively yeah. grabs he, him by the back of the neck and just starts throwing left hands right into yeah, his face. Lay a, just laying a two-piece on him. It's, it's not even a two-piece. He just has, he goes hockey fight style. He grabs him by the scruff of the neck and just starts wailing with the left-handed uppercut. So he gets pulled off. And uh, I just really wanted to talk about that golf fight, and I'll post it on our Twitter feed because it was incredible. <laughs> the uh, yeah, that guy was not having. There was no proper run up to that fight. No, which is to say, you know, you have to. I I forget which comedian did it, but there's this whole there's a there's a there's a, you know there's like first you have to establish you know, you know, you know who the fuck do you think you are? Right, right. That's the that's the then you can't then, say that to me. Yeah, and then you have to say, then you have to establish who you are. Like, you know who the fuck I am? And then you have to say, you know what I'm going to do to you? And right. so, right, there's like a whole, there's like a whole etiquette to this whole thing. That guy just said right to the headbutt and just, and, and the uppercuts. Well, that's what I was saying. It was, I was hoping to re- bring it up last week because I felt like it refuted our, our, uh, our theory that adults were bad at being adults because this guy, this is the right thing to do. If you've decided you're going to fight somebody, don't fuck around. Just get after it. I don't know. You have a bad day of golf and perhaps a number of beers in your system. I mean, this is this is this is an this is the expected outcome, really. I mean, I'm not. No one's shocked by this. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. We'll share the video, and uh, I I really like how the end. The guy does the classic pussy rejoinder of, "Well, he's never gonna golf here again." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. right. Yeah, Thanks. you got him. 
Yeah. <laughs> kicked your ass, Chief. <laughs> you say good one, pal. Just thank you. You beat my ass. Move on. I can't. I can't live. I can't yeah, well, live it makes me wonder if the guy is like, this is the thing. It's like, is Mike really a cheater? Or was he really so, so angry? I, I don't know. Well, we will never know. But I mean, if a guy, if you call a guy a cheater, yeah. if, if you're, if you're ready to impugn someone, rep, impugn someone's reputation, like in front of a large group of people. Yeah. You're, you better get ready to fight. Yeah, that's you, correct. Whether it's true or not, whether it's true or not, you have, you bet. Like if I pulled you aside and said, dude, that was a six. You took a six. You know, you wrote down five on, on the six hole. That was six. Come on. I, and then you count it for him. It's like, it's, it's six. I mean, if you're playing a serious game yeah. here, if you're playing, like, I don't care if you cheat, if you're just whatever, you could cheat all day. I don't care. I don't give a rat, rat's ass. But if we were playing for money or playing a tournament or whatever, it's like, dude, that's a six. You write down a six. Right. And, and I would take you aside and do that. But the second you but the second you involve a group of people, even, true or not, you're fighting. Right. It's, it's, it's basic. Yeah, you can't tell you cannot impugn someone's character in front of a large group, again, correct or not. Right. And not be prepared to defend yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Even if everyone knows it, <laughs> you're still you're still you're still heading for you're you're heading for fisticuffs. My guess is this is not the first time they've had this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> rarely, rarely. That's probably there's probably a long history of uh, there's probably a long history of bullshit between these people. But uh, that's what makes for the best fights, man. I agree. Anyway, what else we have on the OT here? <laughs> you wrote down what's worse, a three putt birdie to bogey or a three putt par? Yeah, that was just sort of my my last golf related thing. Is that I experienced both of those things in the same round, this same round, in fact, um, where I was on in two for the eagle try, left it eight feet short like a chump. <laughs> Right, so the three putt for bogey rarely bothers me. I mean, it bothers me a little bit, just but bogey bogey doesn't really affect me one way or the other. Yeah, it's kind like, of it depends on how 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 long that birdie putt was. Yeah, like if you should have had the birdie putt and you missed it, and then you somehow right. missed a four footer coming back, then right. yeah, you might. Yeah, be. but if I reach a par five in two, I don't care where I am on that green. Three putt par is gonna piss me off. I, it's a it's completely nonsensical like if i yeah. hit if i hit a if i hit if on a par four if i hit one to 15 feet and i miss the putt or if i three putt from 15 feet i'm gonna be like stupid whatever uh-huh. but if i reach a par five and two just because it doesn't happen very often uh-huh. i think that's the thing it's it, the rarity of it it's, it's uh, about the squandered opportunity right like you and had so that- a chance with a very <laughs> rare chance to card that two under on your on your card and and if you end up not even getting a birdie out of it, I mean, even a tap in birdie is somewhat disappointing. Like, because then you're I like, oh, live, I got I it could, close, but I didn't make it. I could, I, I'm actually going to celebrate a two putt birdie in that regard, but the three putt par is going to piss me off. But I'll probably be on torque for like three holes afterward. <laughs> I don't know, terrible. I mean, it's just the, that's stupid golf brain. Nature that's of the all. game. It is. And then. Another thing we can link to later on here from the OT is the, uh, I did watch this. I watched this video of the slapping contest. Oh, I forgot I added this to the list. Dude, first of all, slapping contest is that, I mean, this, this is, this is a thing made up by, from, by drunk people. Well, it, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's way better than like an actual fight. Like this is much more entertaining. Than like a Floyd Mayweather bout. I'd much rather watch two <laughs> dudes just slap the shit out of each other and see which one can take it. And the reason I tied this to golf is because it's all 
core body rotation and the dude who's the best <laughs> at it does this thing where he lines it up it's clearly an athletic move for him like most of these people oh, first of all let's clarify it. it's russian it's russian obviously <laughs> this two dudes stand over a podium and it looks like they're gonna arm wrestle but instead they take turns slapping the shit out of each other and first we gotta take our shirts guy, off First well, of, only but they're only they're they're only slapping each other in the face, and yet they have to take their shirts off. <laughs> I think that's like the finals. <laughs> Did you watch the longer video by chance? No, no, I didn't. Okay, so the longer version of the video, like it shows a lot of of, of clips. But uh, Vasily Komatsky, who is this heavy set gentleman with a large beard, um, he is. I think the large beard. Up. I think I think the large beard works in your favor in a slapping contest right yeah it makes your face more slippery there's no doubt yeah yeah you get like this cushion like if you come in there with a shaved face you're gonna get that crack like the crack of the slap on your face but so i watched the long version of the video and vasily is very sporting there's a moment where like one of the guys kind of misses his shot and instead of cracking him he just gives him a little tap because he knows he's already won the fight because uh-huh. they actually only get three shots and then it's judged after that okay th- but the thing that amazed me is this guy like it looks like he's been working on this like he's got one of those torso dummies in his garage and he's like lined <laughs> up the exact distance and then like like a medicine ball like tied to him or something where he's got the resistance bands because he puts his hand like right next to the guy's face and then he turns his body in such a way that he rotates his hips so he's not swinging his arm at you he's swinging uh-huh. his whole body and then his the 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 palm like the bottom palm of his hand always makes contact right in the jaw of the guy he's knocking people out with an open hand slap i know that's the that's crazy it's <laughs> it's it's messed up i mean i'll take things i'll never ever do for a thousand dollars this is no this is no this is no place for a person like me you know, <laughs> no. I feel like Vasily would pop my head off. Right. What are the what are the uh, what are the instances of you know TMJ after uh, <laughs> after uh, after a career in the slap game? I want to know I where did, this guy came from. It's like I can't I can't open I can't eat anymore. <laughs> I spent I spent eight years in the slap league and now I can't now I can't open my mouth anymore. I feel like this is uh, going to be Shane Lowry's career when he retires from golf. He can, he can read. <laughs> repurpose that golf I'm telling you, oh man I tell you that I think that he's the right guy right a little bit heavy set big yeah. beard yeah you know understanding of rotational motion yeah man you gotta have anyway. that you gotta store that what, energy in your hands so that when your hand when, reaches the target who starts who starts uh who starts televising this first uh ESPN uh NBC Sports NB, you know <laughs> NBC SN um the Olympic Channel or Fox Sports, FS1. Who who's going to be the first to carry Slap League? Uh, RT Sports when the Russians take over our country. <laughs> <laughs> wait, so wait. I, I actually Shane Lowry or Andrew Johnston because I always get them confused. Oh yeah, yeah. Either or. I think yeah. you could take either. I think either either of those guys works works just fine. Yeah, and uh, Andrew Johnston can change his screen name from Beef Golf to Beef Slaps. Beef Slaps. <laughs> beef Slaps. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. That's it for us. It is. Uh, that is it. Thank you for all of us. Thank you for <laughs> all I of stop? us. Did I stop on your lie there? Is that no, no. I, I liked it. I was ready to continue, and I just I wasn't prepared. Uh, oh, got it. But we thank all of you for listening to the Two on Three Pod, and please know that we appreciate tremendously the time you choose to spend with us. If you don't already, please subscribe and or review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, and don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. 
We'll show you our bat wings next time you visit shenanigans. And until then, <laughs> peace. Peace.